Hey everybody, welcome back to Megan's Old Office. My name is J.D. Gorlatt. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. And, you know, uh, as it is with uh, many high-level celebrities, uh, uh, my sidekick, my partner in crime, has flown in uh, for today's episode <laughs> from a foreign land known as Alaska. Ooh. And uh, so, uh, you know, I just want everybody to be really gracious because Keith Holmes is here and... Um, you know, he just got off the plane uh, with his sunglasses, his jet set life, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't want anybody to. We want to lower the bar. See, we want to. Uh, uh, so de- don't expect me to be talking coherently today. That's, that's right. He's, jet lag. Ugh. You know, being the big time guy he is, yeah, you know, he's right. going to say something yeah. that's not going to make any sense to you, and that's your problem. That's, is that, that how it's going to go? That's how that works. Yes. Uh, Keith Holmes, welcome home. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Director of um, Mission and Small Group Activities here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. And we're just, Jonathan, uh, our engineer, Jonathan uh, Mueller, we're just really wondering about Keith. And, no, uh, I'm fine. Jet lag. Huh? All right, he's I'm, fine. Yeah. And uh, if you hear him talking about Alaska, if you hear him trying to strain illustrations right. of Alaska into, <laughs> into the Bible, any, into anyway, any conversation. Any conversation I can. Don't be surprised by that. Today we are in Acts uh, chapter 20. Verses uh, 17 through 38, and then Acts 21, 1 through 16. Uh, And our opening question today is, who is under your spiritual care and what's involved in that? We ask that of ourselves and Mm -hmm. of all of you, uh, dear listener, who is under your spiritual care and what's involved in that? And I sincerely hope, first thing, I really hope that no one hears that question and says, well, I've got nobody under my spiritual care, because that's that would be a terrible... Thinking. What's that? I was thinking the same thing. I, I hope nobody sure thinks... Were. I, I was. Uh, I see the technique developing already here. Uh, uh, I mean, seriously, uh, no one should say no that no one is under their spiritual care. Mm-hmm. That would be a terrible thing. Uh, that would be the first point. But right. Keith, who who's under your spiritual care, and, and what's involved uh, in, in that? Well... As I discovered in Alaska, J.D. <laughs> it, it starts. And, and then it went downhill from there. It's only going downhill from there. So seriously, I think, you know, I, I'm a dad. So my immediate response is my family. Yeah. My wife, who is also a very, very godly woman. Yeah. But... So you're the, under her spiritual care to a certain as, extent. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. we share mutual we share mutual caring and that, that. But my children, and of course being the children's director here for seven years and fifteen years before that in another church, that kind of you know those kids were under my spiritual care along with their parents, right? And their parents are a part of that as well. So I can I kind of I consider them under. So you know it, it it's amazing when you really start putting your mind to it how many people are cuz if you touch one life it's not just one life you're touching you're yeah. touching many lives right. involved with that one life and it so. kind of sounds like you have a mentality of partnership like yes. we in your work and in your family it kind of sounds to me like you are like okay this person is under my spiritual care whether it's a kid in my ministry or my own kid mm-hmm. but it's not me alone doing the spiritual caring. Right. You're, Absolutely. You're, you're partnering with their parents. You're right. partnering with your wife. Yep. So, you know, what's involved in that is recognizing the gifts and the, the perspectives of other and responsibilities of other people that are involved in that process. Right? Absolutely. I think yeah. that's why there's two of us on the show. Otherwise, it'd just be you or me. It, it would and, just, yeah. and, and, no, but I'm serious. It would just be you doing what you do or me doing what I do. 
But I think there's there's a balance in partnership. There's something about that. Right. So. And yeah. Jesus always sent people out in twos. That's right. You know, in in yep. in, in, in partnership. Uh, uh, so there's a benefit of that uh, uh, collective ministry. Right. Um, yeah, but again, um, you know, shame on any of us if we go through, get to any point in our lives, or go through life itself completely without anybody under our spiritual care. And and I. To have somebody under our spiritual care, I mean, talk about a, a res- an enormous responsibility. Yeah, and uh, it's scary for some people. Oh, I mean, it's, it's scary, scary for, for you and me. Yeah, uh, it's scary for for some people. It's scary <laughs> for me. The idea that that I mean, the, what we're raising here is the idea that that the knowledge of God, of who God is, and what we are to be in relationship with God, uh, is laid at our feet. That right. that, that we have. Um, uh, been given uh, re- responsibility. Yeah, uh, that we have a task here, and right. uh, obviously we're going to do it well, and we're going to do it poorly from time to time. That's a heavy burden, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, and I you say that, and I often think, and it's like, what was it? Do you think Billy Graham felt like that sometimes, or J.I. Packer, or to, you know, any one of the writers that right. would, big big names that we had today, Eugene Beth Moore, Peterson, Eugene Peterson, C.S. Lewis, right? Uh, you know. Uh, and they all had different uh, approaches to how they provided uh, spirit. That's a great That's list true. that you start there. Yep. You start with Billy Graham. Well, here's one way of shepherding, right. which is in a stadium to right. 50,000 people. Exactly. C.S. Lewis is writing books about Narnia and everything else, <laughs> right. which is, you know, from an intellectual ivory right. tower at Cambridge. Uh, uh, there's a completely different way uh, right. of, of doing things. And then you have... And, and we, we all have our different approaches, and we just hope that, that God works through us to to reach the people and to be successful. I guess that's yeah. another thing that's involved in spiritual care of somebody, whether it's your kids or anybody else, in my case, adults in the church. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to depend on God. You have to step back and say, well, I'm just going to trust that God's going to make this work uh, this work work. You right. I mean? um, you certainly see that in Paul's writings. The one, that, the one guy I would say who, who definitely tells us he's concerned about his ministry as Paul, yeah. you know, as we're as we're reading through this, as we're reading through Acts, as you read any of his epistles, letters, which fancy word for letters, but anything like in Corinthians, any of the Corinthians, any of them, he talks about how he struggles, how you know, yeah. he talk, even talks about the thorn in his side, so to speak, and or, well, he does. yeah, Second Corinthians, he, he talks about the thorn in his side, yeah. which is an interesting point that you, you bring up that makes me think about it. Paul does this incredible job of caring for people mm-hmm. spiritually, caring for us 2,000 years later Amen. spiritually. But I don't, you know, there's not a deal where Paul sits there and says, well, I know that I did that perfectly well. <laughs> you know, there, there's this there's this element for Paul and for us where it's like you just do the work and you don't get to a point or you don't, ha- you don't sit there and say, well... I checked that off my list. It doesn't work that way. Right. I, I know I'm meeting, you know, everybody's expectations. Right. And, you know, I have this job description. And instead, there is this, you do the work, you you take responsibility, you, you give care, spiritual care to people, and then you walk away from it never really knowing how how righteous or 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 faithful you've really been. You think you have. You right. tell yourself right. that you have, but you right. don't. You, you don't know that. And There's a certain piece that that you have to gain through faith. Right? Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, you know, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit in his ministry, and boy, oh, howdy, there's a guy that depended upon the Holy Spirit. and Because you do. I mean, you walk away from a Sunday morning. I walk away from a Sunday morning. I, we walk away, and we're like, okay, I hope that worked. <laughs> exactly. right? I, I hate to pull that curtain back a little right. bit, folks, but we do. We walk away sometimes thinking, 
I, I don't know if that worked or not. I don't know how effective that will be, but... And we will never know. In yeah. some cases, we will yeah. never know. Yeah. I as, preach almost every Sunday and yep. almost every Sunday morning. I mean, every seven-day afternoon, I, right. I'm going through that. I'm like, right. you know, that was as good as I can do, but it was that was that what Jesus wanted me to do? Right. Did, that, did that really, did I do a good job of caring for his people, advancing right. the kingdom? Those yep. answers are tougher to find. So like we said, uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, we're in verse 17 through 38. Keith is going to be reading for us, and uh, what do you want us to be thinking about as you as, read? As I read this, uh, I want you to be thinking about Paul's ministry. We're talking a little bit about that. And and what did Paul's ministry, ex- what was Paul's ministry in experience in Ephesus? Did it Was it smooth? Was it easy? What did it experience? Because Paul is... How would you describe it? How, how would you describe Paul's ministry as yeah. you hear these passages? This is, again, from Acts 20, verses 17 on through to 38, the end of the, the, end of the chapter. Uh, get your Bibles out. Get ready to read along with us, unless, of course, you're driving, at which point, <laughs> both hands on the wheel, please. Uh, but here we go. From Miletus, he sent a message to Ephesus, asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house, as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about the repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. And now, as a captive in the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. But I do not count my life of any value to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some even from your own group will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of His grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all this I have given you an example that by such work we must support the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, as he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, that they would not see him again. 
Then they brought him to the ship. Wow. Yeah. What a farewell. Right. And, and you know, we were I, as I hit that one particular passage, it did make me think, uh, smile uh, to myself there, which is, how do you feel on Sunday when you say, I wash my hands of your blood, people? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Quoting if we could, if only we could say that sometimes, right? <laughs> this like, guy's blood's not on my hands. You guys, if you weren't you're listening to me today, uh, your blood is on your own These hands. are the jokes, people. This is your oh, pro- it's your goodness. problem from here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that line would go over really but, well. Yeah, that does... that, but. Sadly, that is not how I can I can walk away, and I don't think I mean Paul Paul certainly feels like that you know uh, that one moment there I guess is what I can't want to come across, which is, you know, it's like sometimes you almost have to just like guys, I did everything I was supposed to do. I I did. And you you mentioned checking the boxes. You can feel good sometimes. You did check the boxes. Yeah. You did follow the Holy Spirit. You did what was right, and 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 you have to rest at that point on the Holy Spirit's power, not your own. I agree completely, but I, I you know, I don't know how easy that is for you. Um, in, in not at all. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm glad to hear it's not easy for you because I haven't found that to be easy. I can sit there and so it's kind of like a head versus heart thing where my head sits there and says to me, JD, you know, you did everything. You did right. everything you could. You did, you did right. what you could. You did the best you could with whatever messaging you, you, you did, but maybe your heart feels like, there's still so much more to do. And, right. and so to kind of bring it back to your reading uh, of uh, Acts chapter uh, 20 here, I, you know, I wonder how much that's in play here. He's talking to his friends from Ephesus. He spent several years in ministry with him. And it's like his head is saying, you know, yeah, I did everything I could. I was available in every way. I went here, here, and here. I went house to house. I, I proclaimed the gospel. Right. Uh, and yet there's one of the, the repeating phrases or words here is tears, crying, not just back when he was with them in Ephesus, but here now right. forward into the present of this passage where they're weeping again. So there's this you know, your head and your heart are 18 inches apart, but sometimes they're a million miles apart million type miles. of a thing where yep. where he's like, yeah, no, I know that I, I know what's coming. I know what happened. I know what I did. I know I did everything I could. I, it, but we're still, there was crying while we were, while I was with you. Uh, there was suffering. Uh, there was there was trouble, and now here we are reviewing what we did, looking forward into the future. It's interesting when he looks forward to the future, and he's like, "Yeah, I see nothing but a bunch of wolves coming in and tearing the sheep apart." By the way, you're the sheep, and yeah, you know, right. Weep about that, and, right? And so, I mean, so what we're talking about is just the nature, and you and I are talking about. We we experienced this, volley this back to you is just the nature of doing ministry and having people under your spiritual care, proclaiming the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ. All of these things, by nature, there is the, there's this experience of the brain where you're sitting there and saying, yeah, I'm doing everything. I'm exhausting everything that I can to the glory of God, yep. and yet it doesn't always feel good, or I, all I can notice is that which is not done, or right. that which is broken, or or what's coming after it, or how uh, vulnerable this ministry is, and that's hard to feel good about those things. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, and, and, and to know that, you know, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit testifies to me, persecution and, and imprisonment await me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he knows what's coming, Yeah, right. right? I mean, he knows what's coming for himself, and he almost plays that off sort of just as an aside, you right. know, just a throwaway line if it were a movie, right? He's right. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, and they've got that coming. But you, he was so outwardly focused on his sheep, on his on his flock, and that he just, you know, oh, I don't want you to get 
trapped by these wolves. I don't want you. But, you know, somewhere late at night, all of that, I'm going to get in prison, I'm going to be persecuted, comes back and you floods back you. over. That's oh, a great point. I can't, I can't imagine that it doesn't because it happens to me, you know, when I'm thinking ahead of things that I have to get done. It's usually about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, right, <laughs> that I'm starting to think about those oh, things. Man. Now, when I'm out here during the day, I'm thinking, okay, I got these people to talk to, this to do, we got the sheep to, you know, if the pasture to tend and things like that. But, man, it's at night when you're all alone that you start thinking about the things that are... And that's really when I think Satan loves to just sit yeah, and dance on an your head. Mark. Right, you know, you Good just easy. And so... I think that's a great point. And just to inter- you know, no, yeah. look like you were about to say something. No, I was just going to read. I was going to actually read the question. I, I, I would no, but, but I, we are talking about what Paul experienced. Well, I love so. the point that you're making, and that is. So I, I was talking about head and heart, and then now you're yeah. you're shifting to something even more interesting, and that is your mentality as a spiritual caregiver, as a shepherd, mm-hmm. and we are all shepherds. Right. Point again, right. If, if you're sitting there saying, well, you know, I've got nobody under my spiritual care. I'm not a shepherd I think at you all. you should look again. Yeah, I, I think you all look again and seek to be a shepherd. Uh, there you go. That's the, true. I mean, if you end out. up finding no one, Man, there is work. Op- there are right. opportunities for you to, 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 to do this. But then the point that you're making, which I think is a good one, uh, you know, as we progress from heart versus head and how the heart and the head manage the, the the task of ministry. You're making the point of of how you, Paul is focused uh, on the flock, on them rather than self. But then maybe at two o'clock in the morning, yep. all of a sudden he starts thinking about what he's going to to personally uh, experience. But in order to be successful in shepherding other people. You can't be focused. If you're focused on self, if you're a minister, if you're a caregiver, if you're a shepherd, and we all are, everyone is, in some manner, shape, or form. You cannot be successful if you're only looking at how you can, you know, preserve self. And if you and and protect self and serve self, the you know that's what I play off of what you're saying is, yeah. is a great point. What makes Paul successful, if and when he's successful, same thing for all of us in ministry and spiritual care. For the key element is I'm thinking more about your needs and your concerns and what what where you're going rather than what might happen to me next. And there's a great line in the Presbyterian Book of Order, uh, which is the constitution of the Presbyterian Church, which says, it talks about all the ministries that the Presbyterian Church is supposed to do, and then there's a line in there that says, we do this at the risk of our own, you know, destruction, at the risk of our own failure, at the risk of our... So it's not a deal where we build a church and we're like, we're going to do all this ministry, but we're always going to... Our first priority is that we're going to protect ourselves. We don't do that. No, no, no. We're going to do this ministry at the very risk of our own existence, yep. uh, thinking of, of others, exhausting our resources. Now, do the Presbyterian, do, do churches do that well? No. Mm. Uh, they're full but, of humans. Right. But they're supposed to. Right. The mentality that right. you raise is supposed to be there. You know and, and absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. And, and they were right. The people that wrote those passages in that book. Paul, as he ministers, he is constantly aware of that, that it is to his own imprisonment, to his own persecution, to his own ultimate destruction that he does this. The risk is 100% there, and and ultimately it's going to happen. He knows that it's going to happen because you can't teach the gospel. You can't 
be a person of uh, that, that follows Christ and teaches Christ without those things, because the world does not want to hear it. The world does not want to think about that, and, and especially in this day and age, I yeah. think, too. Great, there may have been a time. Great, great point. If you're wondering how to be, how God wants you right. to be, man, uh, it's like turn down the volume on the you meter, on, on who you are. Right. To, you know, we've got the volume on what is me in my life is turned up to 11, and, and if I would crank that baby bit down to about two or three, I might notice that there's somebody else in the room. A lot of and if you're wondering, <laughs> you know, if you're wondering how to live and what Jesus is saying to you right here, here it is. That's it. Uh, and Paul, just quickly through, because we want to read the first 16 verses of chapter 21 here in a minute. Uh, but, you know, the message that Paul had for them while he was with them was about the kingdom. It wasn't about him. It was about the kingdom. It was about repenting, and it was about uh, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and again, that's consistent not only about his, you know, he had that mentality about his own ministry, and that was the mentality about his message. Look, yeah. this is not about me, about what a great speaker I am, or right. about how fantastic I, I am. And you mentioned Billy Graham. Billy Graham was just dynamic. I mean, the films of him when he was young, here's this good-looking, tall, good-looking, dynamic speaker. He could have, and many would make the message about him and about right. how great... He was always talking about the kingdom and about repentance and uh, about what you needed to do uh, yep. in order to come into uh, a contact and come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I both know charlatans who get up, and they've got gifts for speaking, oh, yeah. but the whole thing is about what they do and what right. they want and how, who they how are. They can, and, how they can help us. That's, and, a, that's yeah. a big but subtle difference. That we, Amen. Right. So why is everybody crying at the end of this? Everybody's <laughs> crying at the end of this. Key. Yeah, why, no, why, yeah. why is, what is that? It, that dinner scene? You know, what, and, what, uh, what, the sound of music. Because, you know, cause, and it is, it's one of those moments where, you know, the dinner scene in uh, Sound of Music where Maria is first there and she sits on the pine cone and then she starts saying, thank you all children for that lovely gift of a, uh, in my pocket this afternoon. And the kids start crying and he's, you know, and the father's like, is this the way it's going to be at every <laughs> meal or just dinners? You know, I mean, it's just, but that's it. Because, I mean, you read that and yeah, he's warning them, he's, but he's also teaching, you know, saying how great it is to the... Every, and they all break down and start crying because they realize they're not going to see him again. They're yeah. not going to see him again. Yeah. And so there's I think that was... Love. They're crying because there's real love. They right? love him. And, and yeah, the thought of... You know, he mentions the persecution that he's going to face in Jerusalem. And it says they, they told him then don't go. But he knows he has to. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I think, too, there's also an element of how are we going to face these wolves without you? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another thing, too. It's like Paul never made it about him. But I think some of the leaders may have, right? Yes. It's like, oh, you're such a great and wonderful leader. We can't do it without right. you. Right. And all of a sudden, Again, it's like... Again, that's a, that's a key element to, to keep it keep it be about what God's doing and right. what God's building. Absolutely. Hard for us to do. Well, are um, we ready to move on? Yeah, let's let's uh, start chapter 21 here. All what's right. Going, what's so, going on? What so are you So this do? is Paul's journey to Jerusalem. And I want to ask, how is it possible that the Spirit compelled Paul to go to Jerusalem and for it to push his friends to protest is going. Because okay, so the here's this. Here's this again. We're going to see people saying, "Don't go, don't go, don't go." But Paul is being compelled. Right. How is that by happening? By the same spirit. Right. By right. the same. So how are we? How do you? How do we rec, um, reconcile this? Yeah. So here we go. Paul's journey to Jerusalem, twenty-one one to sixteen. When he had parted from them and set sail, we came by straight course to Kos. 
and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. When, he, when we found a ship bound for Phoenicia, oh boy, there's a tough one, Phoenicia. right? Phoenicia, we went on board and set sail. We came in sight of Cyprus, and leaving it on our left, we sailed to Syria and, to the la- and landed at Tyre. Because the ship was unloaded its cargo there, we looked up to the we looked up the disciples and stayed there for seven days through the Spirit. And they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and proceeded on our journey. And all of them, with wives and children, escorted us outside the city. There we knelt down on the beach and prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived to uh, pa- uh, Ptolemos. Very good. And we greeted the believers and stayed with them for one day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, and we went into the house of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. While we were staying there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us and took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt, and we and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound out, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we remained silent except to say, The Lord's will be done. After these days, we got ready and started to go up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came along and brought us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, and early disciple with whom we were to stay. Yeah, a lot of wild well, names there. You know, Sorry. What do you know? It's sometimes English and yes, Greek. Greek and all, it's and very difficult yeah. to do, you know. But, okay, hopefully everybody got the point through my bad interpretation of the Greek words. <laughs> just got there. off the airplane. Yeah, you know, just, right? cool. It's all cool, man. So there they were heading out, and it seemed like at every turn, more bad news was coming, and the people were urging him not to go, but Paul kept moving forward. How does the Holy Spirit do this? Yeah, so I got to go back at you now. So how would you feel if I reached over, took off your belt, right <laughs> right off of your pants, and, and, and then started to tie my own hands and say, well, this, this is what's going to happen to you? Yeah, couldn't you tell me that without stealing my belt? Right? This, guy, yeah. this, this, is, these, well, this is how prophecy works. <laughs> they do these strange things like this. But so just to kind of you know build on your reading is like so everybody is seeing the same thing. Everybody right. is seeing that when you get to Jerusalem, they're not in Jerusalem yet. They're mo- Paul is moving in that direction. Right. When you get there, everyone Paul is seeing it, and his friends are seeing it. All the the people who have the gifts of the Spirit are seeing. You are going to get arrested, and it is going to go bad for you when you get to Jerusalem. Yep. And so, how is it that uh, how is it possible that he's the Spirit of God is compelling Paul forward and and causing uh, his friends to protest? 
uh, him going. They're all seeing the same thing, but they're all reacting to it in different ways. Right. Uh, is is yeah. the answer? They 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 see that he's going to be arrested and abused and resisted, and there's going to be rioting. Paul sees the same thing, and Paul sits there and says, "Yeah, no, that makes sense. I need to do that. I, right. That's my calling. That's right. what God wants us to do, and what wants me to do." And they're like, "Like we love you. We don't want you to. We see the same thing. We love you." And we don't understand how that's an advancement of... How can that possibly be an advancement of the kingdom? Exactly. It, it, it's got to be a deal where you run away. That has right. to be... You know what the I'm longer saying? you live, the more you can talk about Jesus. But no, I'll, I'm going to glorify Jesus in this, is right. what Paul's saying. How often do we do that as leaders, as people uh, of God, where we're like, if I, 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 can't, I can't put myself in that position because I don't want... I you know I, I I need to stay alive longer. Let's say, right. or I need to be I need to be able to do something else, and 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 I wrestle with that a lot. Actually, I wrestle with that a lot. It's like how where do I make my stand? I love your expression. What bridge do I die on? Mm-hmm. You know, in the old World War II movies, you got to yes. you got to take the bridge or or you know defend the bridge. Which one are you going to choose? Right. And and Paul knows by the Holy Spirit's force in his life that this is where he has to do. This is the bridge he will die on. But previously you you referenced, you know, struggles at 2.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. And there would be an, to move on to the next questions, you know, I mean, there would be an internal struggle, yeah. both for Paul and for his friends. I mean, I right. think his friends, being the spiritual people, the devoted Christians that they are, they would sit there and say, yeah, it could be plausible that Paul is called to go to Jerusalem and suffer and even die for the gospel. Certainly Jesus did that. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is God, you know, that's within the realm of possibility. At the same time, Paul's got to be going to bed, waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning saying, you know, maybe my friends are right. You know, couldn't they? I mean, we're all seeing right. the same thing. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to run. So it's like, uh, so you, you, you do have to choose, you do have to not only see what's coming, but also uh, seek to discern how it is that God wants to you to react to this given situation. Do you, does God, okay, you know, seeing that, okay, this is going to be a challenge coming up, that's just part of it. Um, does God want me to, to, to back off, to retreat it, until I find a good position? Or does he want me to take this on today, here, in this, in this way? Um, and that can happen to all of us in ministry, but it, it happens to all of us in relationships. And, yeah. and do, do, do I need to give this, do I need to back up and retreat and give this person time and grace and space? Or do I need to confront them with the truth right now? Right. It, it, because oh. sometimes you can do that and it's not time. You do it in the wrong way. You're not prepared. They're not right. prepared. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I know what we you're saying. We all see the same thing. Because that, and, and that is one of the things that it's like, you, how do you confront? How do you, is this the right time, God? And we'll never know until after we do it. That's the problem for us being temporal beings or right. whatever is, is that we won't know until later. But we do, you know, I rest assured and I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit guides my mouth. You know, like I've said before, my favorite prayer is, Lord, help me stay out of your way. Yeah. Right. Good you know, prayer. use my, use my mouth for whatever you got to say and help me stay out of your way. Right. And, and, you know, and there are times where I know the Holy Spirit led me to speak and because I was saying things that my brain would not be able to comprehend, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, those kinds of moments where you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking and other times where I feel like, okay, I did that more or less of my own power and 
hopefully it worked. You right. know, we get back to that original. Well, their blood is on their own hands. Right. You know, because I, I, I spoke what I believed to be the truth, and but yeah, very rarely do we force ourselves upon our friends saying, this is what God says. Right. You know, like Paul is doing, he's saying, hey, guys, I have got to go. Right. They're saying, no, Paul, don't. Right. All of this to say, you know, to kind of wrap us up, is, is to question our assumption that I think people have mm-hmm. that, okay, following God is always going to be clear and, and it's always going to be, you know, feel good. Right. And it's, I mean... You'll never have a trouble. You'll never have any trouble with this. It's never going to stir up any kind of difficulty, trouble, or dissension, or something like that. You know, they're all seeing what's going to happen, and they're all confused by it. And they're following the gospel. They're praying. They're praying together. They're listening to the Spirit. The Spirit is talking and communicating. And uh, and it's not easy. It doesn't feel good. Um, They can see the dissension. And so when... uh, uh, when you're following the gospel, when you're when you're being a Christian, do not do it under the assumption. I, I, I was speaking to the youth group last night. I said, do not assume that loving people is always going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Do not assume that loving people is always going to feel good. Right. Don't, do not assume that loving people is always going to result in some kind of obvious success or an immediate success. The same thing for the gospel. Same thing for being a Christian. Same thing for being a Christian leader. Do not assume that doing these things is going is just going to result in something that makes sense to you immediately. That's almost always never the case. You know never, what I'm no, almost never. Right. Exactly. I mean, rarely do we get to hear, you know, hey, you really changed my life. I mean, I've, I, you know, in the course of my ministry over all the years that, with the kids and adults. I rarely hear that. Right. I can count on one hand how many times people have come back to me later and said, you really affected right. my... And, you know, at that point, it then can become about me. Or then I can be like Paul and say, hey, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. Right. He right. just used me. Right. And and I think that's, you know, you, you asked, you know, one of the questions we ask ourselves is, how do we react to Paul here? How do we do that? And I think I would react just like his friends are, are reacting mm-hmm. and saying, hey, don't go do this, man. Stay alive. This Stay with us. Just, what, yeah. yeah, this can't debt your death can't be what God wants and sometimes I hope it's never that extreme for us but I know that in our world today it is that extreme in some places so you know we come across people in our now in our in our friendships especially here in in missions and things like that that are in places where it's very conceivable yeah. they will give their lives for Christ right. and they're willing and able and so I pray for them yeah just for all of our mission good reminder what is who is under your spiritual care and what's involved in it well everybody's under your spiritual care to a certain extent, and what's involved in it, it's you getting out of God's way. Amen. One of your things that you like to pray and say yep. all the time. Couldn't yep. be more true. All right, this has been Megan's Old Office. This was Acts chapter 20 and 21. Woo! Man, we went through that. Well, went that, that was, that was fun, but, but so flies. rich. Go back and read it. Go back and read it again, everybody. Exactly, definitely. And uh, join us next week uh, for another episode of Megan's Old Office. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email 
at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.